My, oh my, New York Jets fans are losing their mind. Sam Darnold, he looked good. Week one win. But are Jets fans overreacting? Plus, should Lions fans attempt to not overreact to that performance? And plus, the Giants, Saints, and Cowboys all lose in the NFC. Which teams or team should be the most concerned about their slow start? As well as the Rams defeating the Raiders, Pittsburgh Steelers drama, and my week two NFL power rankings. It's all on the SportsNix podcast that starts now. What's up, come on in, Sports Six Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Friend, here on a loaded NFL Tuesday. Again, my NFL Week 2 power rankings coming up at the end of this podcast. But first, two minutes on the clock. If you know New York Jets fans, you probably do. Chances are you know at least one. Just just, just check in on them this morning or afternoon or whenever you listen. Just check in on them. Say hi. Make sure they still have a pulse rate. Make sure they don't need to be revived. Make sure they're good. Because <laughs> Jets fans are losing their minds after that win last night. And listen, there's no doubt about it. Jets fans should be excited. I feel good for Jets fans. I've said publicly I have no rooting interest in the NFL. I like fan bases who stick by their teams when they suck. The Jets did that. They got to win. I feel good. But holy cow, I, I'm serious. I, I don't know if Jets fans are even okay after that win. I don't know if you're going to be okay. I hate to even go here, but like Jets fans, Sam Darnold is the first quarterback to win his first start by 31 or more points since Tom Brady. That Tom Brady. I'm so I'm sorry I just did that to you, Jets fans. You probably were finally getting your heart rate down after last night. But that's who this kid just performed up to. And listen, I like Darnold too, no doubt about it. But like people, it, it's one game. It's one game. Their defense looked really good too. But it's one game. And by the way, Jamal Adams was one of my favorite players last year, and his performance yesterday did nothing to stop that. But it's one game against a Lions team who struggled, and I'm going to get to them here in literally 30 seconds. And I think the Jets will be good this year. I predicted them to finish second in the AFC East this season, heading into it. I thought that they would be in most games that they played in. But, like, you beat the Lions who struggled. So, again, you look good, Jets fans. Don't mean to rain on your parade. And, by the way, you play the Dolphins and Browns next. So, it's not exactly huge challenges in the upcoming weeks either. So, there's a good chance you're 2-1 and 3-0. And, oh, and I feel good for you. But just, like, just, just, just here. Let's do it all together. <sighs> okay. And on that note, the team they beat, 90 seconds on the clock, the Detroit Lions. Looked awful. Looked quite simply awful and unprepared. Unprepared. That's the word that came to my mind. And when a team looks unprepared, that goes on the coach. And Matt Patricia, the new head coach of the Detroit Lions, former defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, looked completely like a deer in headlights. We've seen it time and time again. Hot coaching commodity comes out of New England, 
gets out of underneath that Bill Belichick umbrella and then has it pour on him. The Lions did pretty much nothing good yesterday. They broke records. They broke two of them, and they're both terrible records you don't want to break. First, Stafford is the only Lions or the first Lions quarterback to throw four interceptions in an opener since 1943 when Frankie Sinkwich did it, and boy, did he stink. And Matt Patricia joined Tom Cable as the first coach to lose by a deficit of 31 or more in their debut. When you are breaking records held by somebody named Franry, Freddie Sinkwich and then Tom Cable, it's not a good look. And you literally made literally made Aaron, Aaron Darnold. That's the second time I've done that. You've literally made Sam Darnold look like Tom Brady. The preseason reports were out there that the team wasn't responding well to Matt Patricia. It certainly looked that way last night. And guess what? They play the 49ers and the Patriots next. So you are very, very likely here looking at at best a 1-2, and two, likely an 0-3 start for a team under a new head coach. And that is never, ever going to create a good environment there. Three minutes on the clock. The NFC. Some teams that people were either excited about or previous favorites. The Cowboys, the Saints, and the Giants all losing. First and foremost, they all should be concerned. If you are listening to this as a New Orleans fan, if you're listening to this as a New York fan, and if you are listening to this as a Dallas fan, you should be heavily concerned. Now, to be clear, I am least concerned about the Saints. Maybe it's just because they're my Super Bowl prediction and I want to hang on to that. Maybe it's because I have faith in their defense rebounding from what was a pitiful week because they still have a lot of talent. But I am holding out on the Saints for now. By by the way, that could literally change the next week. The other two, first and foremost, how about them Cowboys, huh? How about them Cowboys? And Giants fans, uh-oh. Uh-oh, first and foremost in the Cowboys, you looked awful. You looked absolutely awful. As far as I'm concerned, it should have happened before, but Jason Garrett should be fired. And that offensive line, atrocious, absolutely awful. The big old mighty defense uh, offensive line in Dallas, right? Wrong. And I know they're missing their center, Travis Fedrick, who no disrespect to Travis Fedrick. And by the way, I think we all hope he gets better and gets what the attention he needs for his autoimmune di- disease that he was diagnosed with. But a big old mighty offensive line in Dallas loses their center, and all of a sudden they can't perform against the Panthers front seven? That's inexcusable. Their offense didn't even reach the Panthers' side of the field until the second half. They couldn't get over the 50-yard mark. I mean, hell, you and I could do that. And you now look at a guy in Dak Prescott who hasn't thrown for 200 yards, which in today's NFL is like cupcakes, in seven out of his past nine games. To be consistently not being able to break the 200-yard mark in that area is inexcusable. And then you go to the New York Giants, who in my mind are getting off among their fans. Yesterday, I did a poll on my Instagram story, nick.friend24, one of the most responded to polls I've ever posted. Asking Giants fans, are you concerned? 100% of the votes said no. 
Uh, like, what what kind of world are you living in? First and foremost, they're all in on Eli Manning, which have fun with that because saying he was average as being kind, he completely missed two what should have been touchdown throws to the great Odell Beckham Jr., but missed them both, proceeded to blame overthrowing Odell on the offensive line, by the way. Oh, yeah, by the way, on top of that, he also cost them a timeout coming out of halftime because he forgot to change his damn helmet because the headset inside of it wasn't working. And then the two-point run play with Barkley, which was an awful idea, comes to find out it was an audible play. What does Eli Manning say? Quote, it was a kind of, it was an audible kind of within the system, so I made the right audible based on what we talked about. Like, these Giants are all in on Eli. That's the decision they made for this year and next when you drafted Barkley where you did. And that's a problem. And I know you are very quick Giants fans to blame the offensive line. Guess what? Eli Manning was hit six times. There is a lot of other quarterbacks in this league who were hit a hell of a lot more than that and would have loved that protection and performed a lot better than Eli Manning did. And I think... Eli Manning, who's not usually defensive when it comes to the media and about himself, the fact that he is being defensive leans to the fact that he knows, yeah, solely but surely, I'm kind of losing it. And oh, yeah, by the way, the Cowboys and Giants, one of them are just going to pitifully get a win probably because they play each other next week. Let me go to 90 seconds here on the clock. Last night, first and foremost... This is a, a hundred percent a very bitchy, whiny thing to say, and it's very much an East Coast bias, but I'm just going to say it. Can we stop with the crap of the two Monday night football games in the first week? And if you must do it, can we move up the freaking kickoffs so that way I don't have to be covering a damn game at 2 a.m. Like I like football, but holy hell. My gosh. On that note, <laughs> was this more about good Rams or bad Raiders? That's the question I asked on today's show. Already released. It's both, okay? You're welcome, Captain Obvious here. It's both. But I'm very confused by this narrative that I started to hear this morning of some people being disappointed in the new look Rams. Like, in my mind, this was nothing but a positive if you're a Rams fan. You're talking about a team that Goff had nowhere close to his best performance last night. They still won. Their defensive line that was supposed to be oh-so-mighty just had one sack and three quarterback hits, and they still won. Their new defense was rusty at times, especially in the first half, and they still won. And oh yeah, by the way, they got Todd Gurley going like crazy in this game. Their new wide receiver, who is one of the least talked about offseason moves considering what it is in terms of a top wide 10 wide receiver being on the move in Brandon Cooks, Caught for over 80 yards. Also had two huge defensive pass interference called when he was the one running. And I view this as nothing other than good for the Rams. Nothing other than good. Meanwhile, the Raiders looked like crap. John Gruden looked like he didn't know what he was doing. Shocker. And Derek Carr in his past six games now. One in five. A TD to interception ratio of 6 to 8. More interceptions and touchdowns. And a QBR of 37. The guy doesn't look like the same quarterback that we saw a couple years ago. Just doesn't. What I'm excited for, Rams, they're going to be tested. Not the next couple weeks as much. They played the Cardinals next week, which will be easy. 
They then play the Chargers a little bit more of a challenge, but then week four, Vikings-Rams. Mark that one down, why don't you? 90 seconds on the clock, and then my NFL week two power rankings. Maybe some surprises for some of you. We'll see. We're 90 seconds away. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I have said this before. I will say it again. I, I, I literally should have just hibernated like a bear. I, I literally should have. I should have got my wheat thins. I should have gone underneath the blankets and just slept. Slept throughout the whole entire summer. I could have woke back up again. And it would have been the same damn thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers who have more drama. And it's the same crap that it was last year. Just worse. Just worse. Big Ben continues to be on the decline and make dumb decisions at non-convenient times would be one way to put it. And Le'Veon Bell continues to tweet after games. And oh yeah, by the way, during all this, Mike Tomlin in his post-press conference, no, we're good. We didn't make the plays, but it's just one week. Blah, 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 blah. That's not something you necessarily expect Mike Tomlin to say after this game. But I think the reason he's saying it is this. He knows he's been around for a long time. He knows if this team has a bad start, he will be on the jalapeno seat. And he is realizing that his team's down. He's already close to losing them. And if he goes hard on them now, he might lose them after week one. And it's not going to get any easier. You have the Chiefs. You have the Bucks. You have the Ravens in the next four weeks. You are looking at a 1-3 and three record right there. And when you, the Pittsburgh Steelers, have put yourself all in on Big Ben and Mike Tomlin, and that, yeah, not exactly an ideal situation would be one way to call that. Okay, here we go. It is time. One of my favorite parts of the week, really. NFL Power Rankings Week 2. I gave them heading into Week 1. I will remind you of what they were last week here. Quickly, 1 through 5, I had the Eagles 1. I had the Saints 2. Oops. I had the Patriots 3. I had the Vikings 4. I had the Rams 5. This week, I'm giving my top 10. Here we go. Number one, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I know some people are like, Nick, they didn't look great against Atlanta. Other teams in this league did look good. How could you put them number one? I've said it before. I'll say it again. They are number one until proven otherwise to me. That's what happens with Super Bowl teams. And for some reason, the Eagles have not gotten the respect recent Super Bowl teams have gotten. And they won against a good Atlanta Falcons team who granted was out of sorts with Nick Foles who's saying he was below average is kind. Number two, the New England Patriots. I had a lot of my question marks there, you know, answered. I say answered hesitantly because it's one week you don't know you don't know if they're long term questions if they're long term answers rather. But the protection on Tom Brady was solid against a very good front seven of the Houston Texans. They got pressure with their front seven, including about to be a star Trey Flowers. And Tom Brady somehow made Philip Dorsett, who couldn't catch a ball in New England last year when he was there, their second leading target outside of Gronk. So the Patriots are number two. Number three, the Minnesota Vikings. My Kirk Cousins questions and whether or not we are just assuming he'd fit in there were to, again, some extent answered. And my, oh my, were we reminded just how good that defense is. 
So they're number three for me. Number four, the LA Rams. I talked about this just minutes ago, but they didn't look their best. And they still won in convincing fashion. That, to me, is proof of how good they are. They are number four. And why those teams kind of moved around, shifted around because of the Saints dropping, we have our first and last new team in the top five in my Week 2 power rankings. That goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. I had them winning the AFC West. And I liked what I saw. Even though they had no running game, Kareem Hunt only had 46 yards on the day. They beat the Chargers. Mahomes looked good. More importantly, he didn't make any mistakes, which is good for an Andy Reid type of system. And I liked what I saw. I really did. I liked what I saw from the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, usually they disappoint people, so I'm going to say that very cautiously. But I liked what I saw against them, and they play a Pittsburgh Steelers team next week that does not look too hot. And that's an understatement. And then the rest of my top ten here quickly. Number six, the New Orleans Saints. I have them falling from two to six. Number seven, the Baltimore Ravens. Number eight, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number nine, the Green Bay Packers. And New York, hang on to your hearts and hats. Number 10, the New York Jets. That is the podcast. Earlier today, the Sports Nick Show released, as always, on SportsNick.com and the YouTube channel. Again, this Spotify is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Home, Google Podcasts. Get it wherever you want or wherever you are listening to. Sports Nick Show, Sports Nick's podcast, back tomorrow. See you then.